This is a Reconstructionist radio production. Please visit GaryNorth.com slash free books to download this book in PDF format. By This Standard The Authority of God's Law Today by Greg L. Bonson Published by the Institute for Christian Economics, Tyler, Texas Copyright 1985 Chapter 8 The Spirit's Dynamic for Living Quote The Holy Spirit does not replace the law of God in the Christian's life, nor does he oppose the law of God in our behavior. We have seen previously that God's holy character, of which the law is the transcript, is unchanging and beyond challenge. Accordingly, God's holy law cannot be altered today or brought into criticism by men's traditions. We have also observed that Christ's perfect obedience, which is the model for the Christian's behavior, was rendered to every detail and facet of God's commandments. Accordingly, every believer who makes it his aim to imitate the Savior must be submissive to the law of God as honored by Christ. The character of God the Father and the life of God the Son both point to the law of God as morally binding for Christians today. In addition, the work of God the Spirit cannot be viewed as in any way detracting from our obedience to God's law. Otherwise, the unity of the triune Godhead would be dissolved, and we would have three gods, with separate wills and intentions, diverse attitudes and standards, rather than one. The truth is, as presented by Scripture, that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12, and is given by the Father. John chapter 14 verse 16, chapter 15 verse 26, and Acts chapter 2 verse 33. He is likewise designated the Spirit of the Son, Galatians chapter 4 verse 6, Philippians chapter 1 verse 19, and Romans chapter 8 verse 9, and is sent by Christ, John chapter 15 verse 26, chapter 16 verse 7, chapter 20 verse 22, and Acts 2:33. The Holy Spirit does not work contrary to the plans and purposes of the Father and Son, but rather completes them or brings them into realization. The harmony of his workings with the Father and Son is illustrated in John chapter 16 verse 15, where we read that everything possessed by the Father is shared with the Son, and in turn whatever is possessed by the Son is disclosed by the Spirit. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit work as one. They are not in tension with each other. Consequently, we should not expect that the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives would run counter to the character of the Father and the example of the Son. We should not expect that the Spirit, who inspired the writing of God's holy law, would work contrary to that law by undermining its validity, replacing its function, or leading us away from obedience to it. When we think of biblical ethics or Christian behavior, we should think of a spirit-filled and spirit-led life. The Holy Spirit gives new life to us, John chapter 3 verses 3 through 8. It renews us, Titus chapter 3 verses 5 and 6, and it enables us to make a profession of faith in Christ, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 3. Indeed, without the work of the Spirit, a person cannot be a Christian at all. Romans chapter 8 verse 9 and Galatians chapter 3 verse 2. The Holy Spirit illumines the believer. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. It leads him. Romans chapter 8 verse 14. And writes God's word upon his heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 3. 
By the Spirit we can understand the things freely given to us by God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12-16 through 16. The Spirit seals the believer. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and chapter 4, verse 30 indwells him with inner refreshment as an ever-flowing river of living water. John chapter 14, verse 17, Romans chapter 8, verse 9, and 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, and John chapter 7, verses 38 and 39. And it constitutes the down payment from God on our eternal inheritance. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 14. The spiritual man, the believer as subject to such influences of God's Spirit, will show the dramatic effects or results of the Spirit's ministry in his life. By the Spirit he will put to death the sinful deeds of his body. Romans chapter 8 verse 13. For the Spirit produces holiness in the lives of God's people. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13 and 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 2. Being filled with the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. The believer's life will manifest worship, joyful praise, thanksgiving, and submission to others. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. Christians are to walk by the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, thereby evidencing the harvest of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, verses 22 through 24. Christian living and behavior can therefore be summarized as living by the Spirit. Sanctification. This has far-reaching consequences for believers. In the first place, it indicates that salvation necessitates sanctification in one's life. The believer in Christ is not only saved from his moral guilt before God, but he is also saved from the moral pollution in which he formerly lived. Christianity is not merely a matter of believing certain things and anticipating eternal comfort. It does not start and end with forgiveness for our sins because we have come to Christ as Savior. Christianity, likewise, requires living continually under the Lordship of Christ, eliminating indwelling sin and walking righteously before God. The Christian is one who has been freed not only from the curse of sin, but from the bondage of sin as well. Christian experience extends beyond the moment of belief and pardon into the daily exercise of pursuing sanctification, without which no one will see God. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14. It entails life in the Holy Spirit, which can only mean progressive holiness in one's behavior. We are saved by grace through faith, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, unto a life of obedience. Quote, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, end quote, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. If living by the Spirit indicates that salvation must bring sanctification, then it means that salvation produces a life of glad obedience to God's law. Salvation frees one from sin's bondage so that he can walk lawfully. James chapter 1 verse 25 and Galatians chapter 5 verses 13 and 14, which is to say lovingly, 1 John chapter 5 verses 1 through 3, for the leading evidence of the Spirit's work in one's life is love. Galatians 5 verse 22. Those who have been saved by faith must be diligent to exercise the good works of love. Titus chapter 3 verses 5 through 8, James chapter 2 verse 26, and Galatians chapter 5 verse 6. And the standard of good behavior and loving conduct is found in God's revealed law. Psalm 119 verse 68, Romans chapter 7 verse 12 and verse 16, 
in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, John chapter 14, verse 15, and 2 John 6. The Holy Spirit works in the believer to bring about conformity to the inspired law of God as the pattern of holiness. The, quote, requirement of the law, end quote, is, quote, fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, end quote. Romans chapter 8, verse 4. When God puts his Spirit within a person, it causes that person to walk in the Lord's statutes and keep his ordinances. Ezekiel chapter 11, verses 19 and 20. Therefore, since salvation requires sanctification, and since sanctification calls for obedience to the commandments of God, the New Testament teaches us that Christ, quote, became the author of eternal salvation unto all those who obey him, end quote. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9. This does not contradict salvation by grace. It is its inevitable outworking. The Church and God's Law Sadly, the Church today often tones down the demands of God's law out of a misconceived desire to exalt God's grace and avoid any legalism wherein salvation is grounded in one's own law works. Rather than finding the proper place for God's law within the plan of salvation and pursuing its function within the kingdom of Christ, the church frequently promotes a easy believism which does not proclaim the need for heartfelt repentance, clearly manifests the sinner's utter guilt and the need of Savior, or follow-up conversion with exhortation and discipline in righteous living. Of course, without the law of God which displays the unchanging will of God for man's attitudes and actions in all areas of life, there is a corresponding de-emphasis on concrete sin, for which men must repent, genuine guilt which drives men to Christ, and specific guidelines for righteous behavior in the believer. Taking Paul out of context, some churches and teachers would make their message, quote, we are not under law but grace, end quote. They would present evangelism and Christian nurture as though mutually exclusive of concern for God's righteous standards as found in His commandments. They would focus on the extraordinary work of the Spirit in a supposed second blessing in the charismatic gifts. The whole of the biblical message and Christian life would be cast into a distorted, truncated, and modified form in the interest of a religion of pure grace. However, God's word warns us against turning the grace of God into an occasion or cause of licentious living, Jude chapter 4. It insists that faith does not nullify God's law, Romans 3 verse 31. One has to be deceived, Paul says, to think that the unrighteous could possibly inherit the kingdom of God, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9 and 10. Those who demote even the slightest requirement of God's law will themselves be demoted in the Lord's kingdom. Matthew chapter 5 verse 19. The answer to legalism is not easy believism, evangelism without the need for repentance, the pursuit of a mystical second blessing in the Spirit, or a Christian life devoid of righteous instruction and guidance. Legalism is countered by the biblical understanding of true life in the Spirit. In such living, God's Spirit is the gracious author of new life, who convicts us of our sin and misery over against the violated law of God who unites us to Christ in salvation that we might share his holy life, who enables us to understand the guidance given by God's word, and who makes us grow by God's grace into people who better obey the Lord's commands. The precise reason that Paul asserts that we are under grace and therefore not under the condemnation or curse of the law is to explain how it is that sin does not have dominion over us, to explain, that is, 
why we've become slaves to obedience and now have lives characterized by conformity to God's law. Romans chapter 6 verses 13 through 18. It is God's grace that makes us spiritual men who honor the commandments of our Lord. Spiritual Powers The answer to legalism is not to portray the law of God as contrary to His promise, Galatians chapter 3 verse 21, but to realize that, just as the Christian life began by the Spirit, this life must be nurtured and perfected in the power of the Spirit as well, Galatians chapter 3 verse 3. The dynamic for righteous living is found not in the believer's own strength, but in the enabling might of the Spirit of God. We are naturally the slaves of sin who live under its power. Romans chapter 6 verses 16 through 20 and Romans chapter 7 verse 23. Indeed, Paul declares that we are dead in sin. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. However, if we are united to Christ in virtue of his death and resurrection, we have become dead to sin. Romans chapter 6 verses 3 and 4. And thus no longer live in it. Romans chapter 6 verse 2. Just as Christ was raised to newness of life by the Spirit, 1 Timothy 3.16, 1 Peter 3.18, Romans chapter 1 verse 4, Romans chapter 6 verse 4, and verse 9. So also we who have his resurrected power indwelling us by the life-giving Spirit, Ephesians chapter 1 verses 19 and 20, and Philippians chapter 3 verse 10, and Romans chapter 8 verse 11, have the power to live new lives which are freed from sin. Romans chapter 6 verses 4 through 11. The result of the Spirit freeing us from sin is sanctification. Romans chapter 6 verse 22. The gracious power of the new and righteous life of the Christian is the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. Here is the antidote to legalism. We must observe in this regard that the Holy Spirit does not replace the law of God in the Christian's life, nor does he oppose the law of God in our behavior. The gracious Spirit who empowers our sanctification does not speak for himself, giving a new pattern for Christian behavior. John chapter 16 verse 13. Rather, he witnesses to the word of the Son. John chapter 14 verses 23 through 26. John chapter 15 verse 26 and John chapter 16 verse 14. The Spirit is not an independent source of direction or guidance in the Christian life, for his ministry is carried out in conjunction with the already given word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 16. In terms of our sanctification, this means that the Spirit enables us to understand and obey the objective standard of God's revealed law. It does not mean that Christians who are indwelt by the Spirit become a law unto themselves, spinning out from within themselves the standards by which they live. What the Spirit does is to supply what was lacking in the law itself, the power to enforce compliance. Quote, what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. End quote. Romans chapter 8 verses 3 and 4. Conclusion God's law is still the blueprint for sanctified behavior. This is completely unaffected by the Spirit's ethical ministry in the believer. The Holy Spirit does not oppose that law in the slightest degree, but instead empowers obedience to it. Quote, 
I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. End quote. Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 27. Whereas the letter of the law brought death to man because he was unable of himself to comply with it, the spirit of God enlivens men so that they can conform to God's standards. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 6. Therefore, the sure test of whether someone has the Spirit abiding in him or not is found in asking if he keeps the commandments of God. 1 John chapter 3, verse 24. A biblical view of the work of the Holy Spirit reinforces the validity of God's law for the Christian, showing how the law as pattern and the Spirit as power are both indispensable to sanctification. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts, where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom.